0: Hi guys, this is Ben from BAT4FPL and this is our Game Week 4 preview. Um, obviously Game Week 3 was pretty nuts in the sense that loads of people did poorly I feel this week. Um, I myself experienced my first red arrow of the season moving down um, to 296,000 in the rankings, which on the grand scheme of things isn't so bad and, um, and Liverpool did kind of save me, which you'll hear later. Uh, in the podcast first of all though i need to congratulate the winner of the back for fpl league this week and the person with the highest score was will Hodgetts, who um who is dear friend of mine as you know uh he joins me on the back four podcast back for more podcasts that we do um sporadically as well on more general football stuff and um he he saw a successful week this week on 56 points and obviously um it just identifies really how um, how poor this week was in terms of scoring because fifty six was the highest score in in the entirety of the league. Um, but he had uh, some nice players in there um, such as Fernandez, uh, who got him twelve points. Danny Ings and Richardson up front um, got him uh, eight and nine points respectively. So um, he's uh, he's surely going to be very happy with that. The interesting thing about Will's team in particular is that his captain got zero points Jimenez obviously um blanked not only blanked but also scored an own goal so only got um only got well got his appearance points wiped out and got his zero um in terms of the captaincy armband so the person with the highest score this week ironically and funnily um didn't get any points from his captain, so um, I guess that indicates how how strong the rest of his team was. Um, so very well done. We'll, we'll catch up with um, with how you get on next week to see if there are any changes. And um, obviously, Sevan from last week, who got I think 113 points. Um, he's had the complete opposite, only a 30 point showing for um, for Sevan. So it just shows how variable this this season has been in terms of the ups and downs of players. Um, in his 30 uh, thirty-point team, uh, he's now got to deal with Son, who's uh, who's injured, um, and Henderson and Tarkovsky, who are also out as well. So, um, so quite a lot to uh, t- quite a lot of surgery perhaps needed for that side. Before I move on to my team, I think something that's really important to take from this week is just how unpredictable FPL can be at times. Um, you know, we've seen uh, a couple of uh, a couple of occasions this season, not with me, but with with certain people um, in terms of uh, the community having. Taken out a player because they blanked on a particular game week, uh, or rushed to get someone in because they looked an incredibly um, incredibly strong option, and the next week they've they've blanked or done very very little. Um, example of this, for, you know, is Salah. First game week, Salah got a hat trick. Everyone saw him as pretty much must own. Um, ripped their team up apart to get him in some cases, and obviously since then he he hasn't returned to quite that level. Uh, and and the absolute. Kingpin of this of this example is Hung Min Son, who, to be honest, has made me laugh um, as as someone who's never owned him at any point this season. It's it's kind of a an interesting one because obviously game week one, Spurs looked terrible. Um, people thought, oh, he's not worth his nine million price tag. I'll move him on for Bruno Fernandez. Bruno Fernandez then was rubbish. Didn't do anything against um, didn't do anything against Crystal Palace in their in their poor showing. Son went and got a. Twenty-four point haul, scored four goals, looked like the best player again. So people went and brought him back in, only to find him um, play midweek, and and ultimately get get benched in uh, in in the game against uh, against Newcastle, with a only a one pointer. So it just shows. Uh, how, how difficult FPL can be at times in terms of managing those situations. I think what I've learned and something that's stayed in the back of my mind now is just how important holding players can be, um, which is is the kind of the crux of my week this week in terms of what I do with Timo Werner because as, as you're here, I'm, I'm, I'm being given a, a big headache in terms of whether I ship him on or whether I, I keep him and hold him and, and stay patient with him. So my team for this week got me forty five points. And the average is forty-three. So I only gained a kind of measly two points above the average. Um, overall I will take that though, considering at the start of um at the start of proceedings on Monday I was sat there on twenty points, looking rather uh, rather concerned with only a few players to play. So um, forty five points in the end was was rather um, was rather relieving i guess um, by the end of the game week um, interestingly i've got two points above the average but i still got a red arrow so it just shows um, i guess how how well i've started because i'm getting to that position where even though i'm beating the average of people i'm um, i'm still losing rank so um, can't be too unhappy with that really considering it was a, a bad game week for many um, so i'm looking to hopefully kick on next week getting a much better score but um, as it as it you know as it reads from the top i've got ryan on one point obviously it was always going to be difficult them um, keeping a clean sheet against manchester united no matter what you think of them they are a, a strong team attackingly so um you know and with those and with those <laughs> added bonus of penalties that manchester united always seem to acquire um it was always going to be tough i was begging for ryan to save that penalty i thought that would have been absolutely hilarious if um if you know after the full time whistle Play was brought back, Fernandez steps up, one of the most reliable people in terms of bringing F- FPL points. Someone I also didn't own. If Ryan had saved that penalty, it would have been amazing. But you can never hope for a penalty save, so I guess I'm going to have to take that one point and run with it, really. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson have been the absolute saviours of my game week. I loved watching that Arsenal game. Um, we saw it down the pub, um, which was the first time I'd actually gone to the pub since the whole coronavirus um Lot you know, pandemic has broken out. So that was quite an interesting experience. Um and I was fortunately blessed with a couple of um a couple of returns there from um from Trent and Robbo. Um I think Robertson in particular looks really dangerous and he's he's on the line share of set pieces now which is which is interesting. So um the double up is definitely of a, a strategy that seems to be um seems to be quite a a, a fruitful one in, in, in the long run. I think whilst um you can obviously try and bring in trent and robertson for their for their kind of nice run of fixtures to try and jump on those clean sheets that they will inevitably get later down the line in the season i think that they're you know the set and forget tactic of putting them in only you know 14.5 million for the two best defensive players in the in the league in terms of um in terms of points is really great um i actually spoke to um my brother yesterday about a possible um, three at the back for Liverpool. Um, you know, in Trent, Robertson, and Van Dyke. Personally, I'm not quite at that level yet. I, I feel that um, you still want Salah in in your team in case he has one of his explosive um, hat tricks or, or hauls or whatever. But um, but if you are someone who doesn't have Salah in your team, you're not going for Liverpool attack this year. It might might be a viable strategy to go with those three Liverpool defenders because you know they're going to tick over with points once the clean sheets come rolling in and they get these attacking returns that they're they're capable of as well. You could be looking at some really you know seriously nice scores. Lou Ayling managed to get me seven points as well, which was really pleasing. Um, obviously, Leeds's defence looked quite shaky in the first couple of game weeks, and to be honest, I feel they were still quite lucky to get that clean sheet um, against Sheffield United, but. You can't argue uh, argue with that you know seven points, Ailing a uh, four point five midfielder. That's the sort of return you're hoping for. You're never really expecting more than that. So um, I'm pretty happy with Ailing in there, uh, or at least I was this week. He is possibly the first um, first offender on the chopping block for me in terms of um, someone I'm looking to get rid of. Uh, I still feel, despite the uh, the the kind of unpredictable four 0 thrashing that Wolves got uh, or was given by West Ham I still think Wolves look like a good option defensively I think I'm going to put that one down to a blip so Sice I'm still looking to keep Um, Ailing is a transfer waiting to happen I feel I can't see Leeds maintaining um, or keeping many clean sheets going forward uh, just because of Bielsa's style of of kind of um, this kind of high octane throw you know high risk high reward strategy that he kind of goes for so ailing will will probably head out on my wild card whenever i decide to do that um size with naught naught points obviously really disappointing um not really much more to say other than they've got a nice run of fixtures let's hope they they can sort out the the defensive frailties they they demonstrated against west ham Um, and then justin came on for his measly one pointer really disappointed here because um I obviously took a hit to bring in Daniel Pudence um, and De Bruyne on a minus four and Pudence didn't play. Really disappointing. Classic example of moving too early, trying to beat the price rises at the start of the season. I should have remained patient. I'm even more irritated actually because I had one million in the bank and had I waited a little bit longer I could have jumped on Foden who you know, despite blanking still looks like a really good option um, because of Jesus' injury now. So That's a little lesson I've I've kind of taught myself this week. I'm not making a move until Friday night. Obviously, lots of Carabao Cup action um, still to come. So, Justin came on for one point. It's better than nothing. It's better than a naught. So, I guess I'll take that. But, um, all in all, you don't really want to see a a defence of five players, especially considering the amount of goals that have been scored this season. De Bruyne wore the armband uh, this week. And, again, another transfer that didn't pay off I I can't really begrudge the transfer, though. I was always going to bring in Kevin De Bruyne, and I still think he's the best option in the entirety of fantasy football, and unless you kind of count Trent Alexander-Arnold in that bracket. So he's he's going to be ticking over with points the whole way through the season. He's just so consistent, and now that he's playing in that more advanced... Um, Uh, number 10 role um if you will i feel he's going to be even do even better than he did last season in terms of um in terms of returning points so regardless whether i captain him this week against leeds i'm um, i'm definitely going to keep him and happy to have him for the long run as am i with salah you know the assist was great um i want more from him obviously at 12 million he's got to earn that price tag but you know salah is one of those players who will will tick over with kind of a goal and an assist every other game and then every now and then he will just hit hat trick and 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 prove to everyone why he's been such a consistent player over so many seasons in FPL. James Rodriguez with two points, um I was a little bit disappointed to be honest, not to see him on penalties. That was definitely something I was expecting. And when Richarlison picked up the ball to take that I was kind of half surprised but but at the end of the day you've got the player who is creating the most chances in in the entirety of the premier league at the moment he's in a side that hasn't lost yet and um, and they've got a striker in calvert lewin who obviously is uh, is is banging in the goals so i'm really happy to own him i think he's a great option i have got harvey barnes on my radar i'll speak about him a little bit later in the watch list section but um, but at the moment again happy to win rodriguez and then we we're up to the strikers you know calvert lewin i've already spoken about six pointer what more could you ask for what an absolute FPL legend, um, you know, returns left, right, and centre. Definitely going nowhere on my side. And Werner is is the complete opposite. Someone I expected to do incredibly well. I actually tipped him to be the golden boot winner actually at the start of this season, and he's he's done the complete opposite. I think when it comes to Werner, and I'll I'll talk about him again more when it comes to my transfer plans um, this week. But I think he's becoming a victim in Frank Lampard's side, or at least in Frank Lampard's mind. Um, I think his his adaptability and versatility is almost um, becoming a, a vice for him. You know, you saw you saw against um, Liverpool when the side went down to ten men, he was just kind of vacant, couldn't really do much, and and then that was fair enough. But this week, when um, when they played against a side that they really should have you know expected to to blow out of the water, he was playing down the middle, uh, then playing down the left. Then when Hudson Odoi came on, he Got pushed out to the right, and towards the end of the game, he was almost playing in a kind of central midfield role when Giroud came came on. So I do feel that Frank Lampard, as much as he showed his talents last season, isn't actually going to to have the season that everyone's feeling he he, he should have. Um, you know, they spent a lot of money now, Chelsea. There's that expectation on Frank to do well, and I think he's trying to orchestrate a team of individuals as opposed to getting them to jail. Obviously, they've had you know, injuries in Pulisic and Ziyech and Thiago Silva came back in but then made the mistake so he went off and all the, all those other issues that, that you've got to take into account. But I think Werner's a victim in, in a team that don't quite know how to play to his strengths. And whereas, you know, you look at a side like... Um, like Liverpool, for example, who know exactly what Firmino's role is, know exactly what Mane and Salah's role is, for example. Werner doesn't really know whether he's playing the Firmino role or the Mane role or the, 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 the Drogba role of old, you know, for Chelsea. So um, that's my worry with him a little bit. And whilst I I think there are better options in the next four to five weeks, I don't know if it's necessarily worth that transfer I'm, I'm, I'm considering it might be worth just for one more week keeping that free transfer so I have two over the international break which is uh, obviously coming up. So moving on to my watch list and obviously there are some players that, that this week have jumped out to me for whatever reason. Um, what I'm trying not to do is just go for the players that have jumped out to me um, in just one game week and actually someone who uh, either through post restart last season or or for the first three games this year have really kind of shown their worth um, and I've written a few names down here. The first one being Harvey Barnes as I mentioned earlier. Now um, it's impossible to ignore Leicester at the moment. You know they've they've won all their games. They're top of the league and rightly so. They played phenomenally against Manchester Manchester City and Barnes is one of those players who even though he hasn't. Quite returned the FPL points that perhaps he has deserved to. His his stats are incredible. You know he's he's posting incredibly high numbers in terms of shots in the box. I feel that he's almost playing up front at times, or that kind of wide left, uh, inside forward type role. Um, and whereas before he was an option um, last season, where we kind of see him as a, a very much a left midfielder who had to track back and help help the uh, you know help the wing back and things like that. Instead now he's very much a left winger who is given more license to go forward, get into the box, and and kind of poke home those those kind of chances in and around the six yard box. So that's kind of why I'm looking at Barnes. I think he he offers a really nice value at seven million. Personally, I prefer him to um, to Wilfried Zahar. I know zahar has gone up um, slightly in price and has perhaps. Um, caught the eye a little bit more in terms of his points but I think Barnes has got um, a few big scores waiting to happen and now it looks like he's nailed in Rogers' side and with Madison coming back the future looks incredibly bright for, for Barnes and obviously when you're talking about Leicester you've got to consider Jamie Vardy I mean it's ridiculous five penalties scored in three game weeks um, you know who could have predicted that um, the, 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 the thing I guess for Vardy owners that they need to be praised for is that Vardy was top goal scorer last season we know what he can do he's always somebody who posts better better fantasy points and scores more goals than his stats suggest um so there is kind of no no surprise really that he's still managing to perform this um I, I remember at the start of the season I, I considered whether Vardy would be getting on a bit um in terms of you know lacking pace and things like that but Jamie Vardy actually said last year that the fact that he entered the league late Means that he's got more kind of miles on the clock, um, you know, miles in terms of his body is going to allow him. So, um, yes, he he may miss a, a, a portion of, of the season with with a few injuries. I know uh, Rogers has spoken about an ongoing hip hip injury that um, that he's kind of is like niggling him, but but you know, at ten million, still not risen in price uh, from what I, from what I believe, um, he looks like probably the best premium option at the moment in terms of um, in terms of in terms of scoring goals certainly so I am keeping an eye on Vardy I don't think I'll put him in this week I just feel there are better options elsewhere Um, I think you know for for 1.5 or roughly 1.5 million cheaper Jimenez is looking like a real good good option as well so um, I probably won't be moving on Vardy just yet but uh, he's certainly someone who's on my radar. The other team that really caught my eye this week is West Ham. Now, obviously, after beating Wolves 4 0, they're gonna, you know, raise a few eyebrows, and that's certainly what they did on um, on Sunday. Now, with Antonio Suchek and Bowen in particular, I think they offer really nice value. Um Bowen obviously the most expensive of the lot of them now that Antonio's fallen in price at six point five million. I think of the three, he's possibly the most knee jerky. Yes, he did do well in the game against West Ham. Sorry, against Wolves. But is he seriously going to produce those goods week in, week out? I'm not so sure. I think he's he could be a great option and he could every now and then get a brace. like That's, that's certainly something he's, that he's got in his locker. But I think at 6500000 million, you've got the likes of Foden, million a million cheaper, you've got the likes of um, Pudence and... Uh, and even f- for 0.5 million more, you could go for Barnes. So I'm, I'm probably not going to be looking at Bowen, but Antonio is 100% someone who's on my medium-term transfer target list. I think that um, one thing that I've started the season with is a back four, conveniently named, um, and obviously, for the most part, it's been quite successful for me. But I think once um, once the season settles down, I'm either going to look to move to a 3-4-3 three, or... Or a 3 four three three because I think the budget options in midfield and in de- uh, and in uh, defence are far better than the likes of Keenan Davis in in um, in attack who either is is destined for a one pointer or a zero pointer so um, I may look to on my wild card. Uh, in the in the next few weeks if i do decide to play it bring antonio in for his really nice fixture run um, after the after the kind of games against liverpool and manchester city because he's posting some incredible numbers Um, he's looking sharp against some of the great greater teams in the division such as arsenal and um, and wolves so don't be surprised if antonio does really really well Um, i think that he he can he can seriously offer a, a great upside for his value, and it wouldn't surprise me that you know later down the line we're looking at him as a as a serious contender for um, for our front lines. And Suchek is posting incredible numbers again. You know, it's exactly what we said at the start of the season. He likes to get in the box. He likes to be dominant from set pieces. He gets a lot of shots on target. I think he was incredibly unlucky not to be given that goal at the weekend. Um, you know, obviously Jimenez got the own goal um, for that one, but. Uh, with um, with with Suchek offering such an aerial threat from corners, anything can happen. I think what I would say about Suchek is if you've got him as your fifth midfielder um, and therefore you're playing him on the bench, I would be wary of benching some points throughout the season. To be honest, if I were to um, have Suchek in my side, I'd actually play him week in, week out because you can't necessarily predict the, um, the times in which he's going to score goals from corners. I think at, at literally 5 million, he's a great enabler, he'll offer so much more value into the rest of your side so you can have some uh, some more premium options elsewhere and you can kind of set and forget him, hope that he gets a header every five games or so and then kind of ticks over those points. So Antonio firmly on my radar, Suchek might be uh, if, I, if I decide to wildcard soon. Final three players on my watch list are Foden, Mares, and Pulisic. Now, obviously, for different reasons, um, I'm not looking to necessarily get them in straight away. I think now that Jesus is injured, and Manchester City will obviously continue to score goals. And they might not be as, as as formidable as they usually are, but um, you know they are Manchester City, and they're going to be scoring goals. I think now Foden and Mares have uh, have kind of gone up in my in my estimations uh, in terms of their their potential as fancy uh, assets. I think that the obviously the big problem with Manchester City is who does Pep bench week in week out? Is it is it Mares? Is it Foden? Is it Sterling? You know, no one is safe from the kind of Pep roulette that keeps on happening every game week. But now that Gundogan's out, or, or out in the short term, Jesus is out, Aguero's out, um, and I think Bernardo Silva's is also having problems as well. There are limited options at City, and obviously Pep's going to be forced into playing the likes of Foden and Mares, who, let's be honest, are not bad options at all. Foden's already scored um, in in the second game week, and Mares has scored in the third. So, I think they can offer some really nice, um, nice kind of hauls at budget prices. It's just whether you're happy to take that risk um, for the occasional one-pointer. So at the moment, my team structure doesn't really lend itself to getting either of them. I think obviously Salah and De Bruyne are, are mainstays in my team anyway, and James Rodriguez, at least for the for the time being, is going to stick in my side. So, um, and and obviously I just brought in. So um, with him likely to return this week from his kind of niggle that he, he got last week, I'm I'm, I'm not going to be transferring out a player that hasn't even you know cost me a four point hit and hasn't even played in my side yet. So. Foden, Mares and Pulisic I would look at um quite quite heavily. Obviously Pulisic the caveat to him is the fact that he hasn't had any minutes yet and he could still continue to be out for quite a long time with hamstring injuries um in particular. You kind of get managers saying oh they'll be back at a certain date and then it gets pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and the likelihood is also that Pulisic's first game back will be a substitute appearance so that's instantly going to be a one pointer. But what's lovely is the fact that he's only eight point three million now. You know he's already gone down quite significantly in price. He's um, he's no doubt going to improve that Chelsea um, Chelsea side, and obviously with the problems that Chelsea are having at the moment, they're going to be desperate to get the likes of Pulisic and Ziyech straight back into the side. Which obviously means when they come in, they're going to be the focal point of of the kind of attacking output that they produce. So that's why I'm looking at Pulisic perhaps after the international break, and now that I'm already thinking ahead to the international break and beyond I'm thinking whether it might be worth banking a transfer this week rather than getting rid of Werner. So moving on to my transfer plans um, and I wish I had something more concrete to give you but unfortunately I haven't made up my mind yet because Werner is giving me a massive headache right on the one hand he is looking like a player who is A long way off from scoring, he hasn't produced the goods that we're looking for yet. And Chelsea looked like a side that don't know their best eleven, don't know how to play around their striker, and don't necessarily look like being a consistent, reliable source of um, source of FPL points. But on the flip side, a he scored in the Carabao Cup, which is no doubt going to give him that extra bit of confidence moving into this game week. B he could quite easily have scored at the weekend. You know, he hit the post. He was very unlucky to do so. I think, you know, on another day that could have gone in. Um, so in many ways, if he scored in that game, we probably wouldn't be talking about him as, as somebody who needs to needs to get out of our sides. So I think it's mainly because there are so many other good options in and around his price that people are, th- are starting to jump ship. So um, it's not necessarily is Verner worth keeping. It's more is there another player that's worth bringing in for Werner? And at the moment my answer to that is yes, and that is Raul Jimenez because whilst Wolves didn't necessarily look their their best last game week, I feel they're now up against Fulham who looked absolutely abysmal defensively. You know, if you watch Monday night football, you'd have seen Carragher and Keane go to town on how bad their defense was. You know, Carragher even said that he's certain Fulham are going to go down this season. So it's obviously a really attractive fixture for Jimenez. I'm sure they'll be galvanised to bounce back from their 4-0 thrashing at, um, at West Ham. So, in many ways, I'm looking at Jimenez and I'm thinking, if I go into the game week without him, I'm worried, particularly as quite a few people have now jumped onto him, I'm worried that I'm not going to be owning him, and that is a little bit of a concern. But we've seen this season that, you know, you can take out the likes of Son, and he gets 24 points. You know, what if that happens to Werner? I'd be incredibly disappointed if, um, if that were the case so at the moment I'm sitting on a hold I think that you know banking a transfer could prove the right move in the long run obviously once the game week is over we're into the international break so much can happen over that period of time not only will we have a few injuries but we'll also get that extra week of data that will be all, all important when we come to thinking about who we're going to have in our game week five squad so at the moment I'll probably keep him and then reassess next week you know I could possibly do a move down to Antonio or down to Morpay he's looking quite nice and then one of my midfielders up to Pulisic or Mares. you know there are loads of options I could do could just do that like to like to Jimenez again or maybe if Vardy bangs in another uh, hat trick I'll look at him so loads of options if I hold my uh, my, my second transfer so that's probably the, uh, the path that I will go down. So this is a topic of conversation before I show you my team that quite a few people have um, have been speaking about this week. And it, it, it's all about the penalties and should we cram our team full of penalty takers? Now, my first, my first reaction to this statement is no, uh, simply because if we all choose a team full of penalty takers anyway, A, what we're doing is we're watching a game just begging for a penalty to be awarded, which isn't fun and isn't really in... In the spirit of FPL, I guess we obviously want to be watching games and, um, and 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 kind of looking at assets that are likely to get us goals from open play. But most importantly, as well, I think there are loads of nice options this season who don't take penalties, who I don't think we we want to overlook. You know, you think of the likes of of, of Harvey Barnes for, as a perfect example. You know, if we're only going for penalty takers, then you've got to go for Vardy, who's £10 million, £3 million cheaper, you've got a player like Harvey Barnes, who is actually posting better numbers than Vardy anyway, getting more shots and chances. And yes, whilst I understand in the first three weeks Vardy is way out in front because of the penalties, it's going to slow down at some point, you know? Like, with, with the handball rule in particular, people are saying that... That this handball rule is 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 kind of creating so many penalties, but we've only had six penalties awarded for handball. Um, the rest of them are are being given for for other things. You know, you think of that Leicester Man City game. Um, you know, the 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 two fouls that Vardy won. Were were clear penalties. You know, there was no no reason to necessarily check VAR, and certainly there was no um, no handball in play. So, I think this just genuinely comes down to rustiness of the players. You know, they've had so much time off. Um, they, you know, I, I appreciate they had that that post restart spell, but um, now we're kind of back in it. I think the the dynamic has changed you've got the likes of liverpool and city now having something to play for again um, you know everyone's jumping into the season with that fresh perspective and probably what's happening is teams are, are going at, at each other a little bit more and defenders just are slipping up a little you know slipping up in terms of their defensive um uh, responsibilities so I think, that, I think that whilst it is important to consider a penalty taker when it's a 50-50 decision, you know, if I'm torn between the likes of, um, let's as, as an example use, uh, I'm torn between Son and Bruno Fernandes, right, although obviously Br- Son saves you 1.5 million, so that's not a very good example, but let's say I'm torn, perfect example from last week, I'm torn between De Bruyne and Sterling, right? Quite a lot of people, and rightly so, have gone for De Bruyne because they both look like players who can haul at any point, who are consistent scorers, but De Bruyne has the advantage of penalties. So in that situation, when it's dead 50-50, you want to be choosing the player that's more likely to score um, score a penalty. However, when you're looking at a player like Richarlison or Cavaloon, for example, I'm not going to try and trade out Calvert-Lewin for Richarlison just because Richarlison's on penalties I actually think Calvert-Lewin's a better option than Richarlison seemingly because he uh, is a better finisher he's in and around the box he's having you know um, he's having those kind of better chances in and around um, in and around the penalty area so I'm going to want to keep him and also he's the player on form and in, in, in the talisman for that side so don't be fooled by this let's pick penalty takers Um, kind of trend that's happening at the moment because I think if you are on a wild card and you go for that strategy three weeks down the line we'll see a, a, a clear reduction in the amount of penalties being awarded and you'll be kind of stuck with the likes of click from Leeds and and other players like that who who aren't really posting the numbers that you want them to and because the side's not getting penalties they're just sitting there with two pointers all the while so my game week four side, as it stands as of Wednesday, uh, is as follows. We've got Ryan in goal. Obviously, I'm setting for getting him. He plays Everton away. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. Hopefully, they can bring home the goods against Aston Villa away. Villa have looked rather strong, but I'm still hoping, you know, it's Liverpool. Hopefully, they can they can keep them quiet and maybe the boys can get some attacking returns from defence again. Justin against West Ham, happy with that, and Sice against Fulham. Um, there have been some some rumours of Sice perhaps being dropped. He hasn't played well in the last few games. So um, whilst I do appreciate the possibility of Dendonka coming in, nothing's been finalised at this stage. He's still the legend that got me 15 points in the first game week. So I'm keeping him, um, certainly considering Fulham um is, is is a team that's struggling at the moment. In midfield, I've got Salah against Aston Villa, who's currently got the armband on as captain. And I've got De Bruyne against Leeds away, Rodriguez against Brighton at home, and Pudence against Fulham away... Uh, Fulham at home, sorry. Now, with Salah, um, I just feel that he's the more um the more kind of safe option this week obviously manchester city um whilst i don't doubt they'll come back and 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 show everyone why they're one of the better teams in the league after that kind of uh disappointing result against leicester i still feel that there are some some issues there um yes they've had that new signing of diaz ruben diaz which um which was was announced today but in attack, they're still missing Jesus, they're still missing Aguero, and they're going to have to play with one of their midfield players in a false nine. Now, that could again be Sterling, that could be maybe the likes of Phil Foden, you could even see Mares playing in the forward position, um, it's, or even De Bruyne. You know, it's something that's definitely possible. But I feel it's all very well and good saying, oh, these midfield players are going to play up front. But actually, the role that Jesus and Aguero tend to play, Jesus you know, more so, is he's that link-up, he's that um, that target player that they get into feet, he's got the control to to kind of hold up the ball and beat a player and then pass it on to the others. And that's why we see Sterling perform exceptionally better um, when Jesus is in the side. So it's, it's basically, in my mind, it's how much do I trust De Bruyne to run the show and have one of his best performances in the league. And sure, while he's got the capability of doing that... Um, I just feel that Salah's the safer pick. Everyone in that Liverpool side knows their role. Um, you know, Salah hasn't hasn't scored in in a couple of game weeks now, so obviously he's going to have that hunger to try and, you know, match Vardy and Calvert-Lewin in terms of the amount of goals that they're scoring. And I, I just fancy him. You know, I think that whilst loads of people are talking about Villa being this new defensive juggernaut that cannot apparently concede a goal, They've only played Sheffield United and Fulham, who both really have had terrible starts to the season. So um, I'm I'm reserving judgment on the Villa defence at the moment. I think whilst they've been quite impressive, Salah can definitely do the business against them. So Salah captain at the moment. And then finally, as I've spoken about a lot, Werner will be um, at the moment lining up against Crystal Palace um, and uh, and Calvert-Lewin will be playing Brighton, uh, which leaves me with Basuma as first sub against Everton ailing against Manchester City at home as my second sub and then obviously the the kind of the kind of useless Keenan Davis um, (laughs) as my third sub against Liverpool at home so I'm happy with the structure and happy with the players that are going to be representing me this week hopefully um, I can I can get a really nice return and to be honest looking at my side I feel it's just as strong you know equally matching the uh, the wildcard teams that I've seen thrown about on Twitter and things like that so with any luck, I'm going to get the uh, the returns that I'm after. I'll get a green arrow back in, back on the upward trend, and um, and moving on into the international break with um with a big smile on my face. So I'm going to leave it there for this podcast. Obviously, it's difficult to get all of my uh, all my thoughts and all my ideas um, and 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 talk about all the important talking points of FPL in just a kind of roughly half an hour podcast so um if you do have any questions for me or you'd like me to rate your team please do post them on the twitter page or on the instagram page and obviously while you're there please do follow and like um the the, the channels that on on social media obviously uh, being this our debut season i'm trying to push out to as many people as i can um, and it will go a long way. Those, those kind of first few follows and those first few likes really do make the difference, guys. So thank you ever so much for firstly listening, but also being so supportive on, on all the different platforms as well. Uh, all there is left to say now is a massive good luck for game week four, and I'll catch you next time.